Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Yeah, and I would say I'm right there with them. I'm right there with you. If you're walking through a season of mental health, if you're loving somebody through a season of mental health, like it is so hard. It is so isolating. It is so lonely. And for me, God felt far away as well. It felt like this desert season of God, why aren't you fixing this? God, I'm begging you for healing. We had people over at our house, praying over every room, praying over Andrew. God, why wasn't there a breakthrough? Those are the words of Kayla Steckline, who at one time relished the role of being a mom and a pastor's wife. Until a horrific day just a few short years ago, when her pastor husband ended his life. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Welcome to Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and our goal, as always, is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join that conversation with Pastor Paul. Hey, welcome to Life Support. So glad you're here. What we try to do on this program is introduce you to Jesus in a brand new way and encourage you that he is working through suffering and trauma. We have a very special guest with us. Kayla Steckline has written a book called Fear Gone Wild. That's available right now. She also has an incredible story to tell. And Kayla, we can just do a, a quick update on your story. I don't want to tell it for you, but just give us a brief outline of, um, of what happened and what brought you to this point. And then I have some questions for you about navigating this and how you've been able to grapple with the idea of suicide and and God's provision and mental health and all those different things. So go ahead and start where you want to start and tell us what led you up to this point. Sure. Yeah. A few years ago, um, I was living my dream life. I really was married to the man of my dreams. I was so happy. I loved my life. We were raising three beautiful boys together. We were running a church together. It was a beautiful life. It really was. I mean, I really had everything I could have ever asked for and more. We had a beautiful home. We had a beautiful family. I had the mom car. I got to be a stay-at-home mom. It really was such a great life. And I was so proud of my life. And then in 2017 is kind of when things changed. And my husband started struggling with panic attacks kind of out of nowhere. And so we started on this journey with mental health and mental illness. And just a few months later, he was diagnosed with depression and put on this sabbatical. And we went even deeper into this journey of mental health. And we were doing everything we knew to do to get him better. He was seeing a psychiatrist. He was taking medication. We were seeing a therapist. He was doing solitude trips. He was doing trips with mentors. I mean, we really were doing everything we knew to do to get him better. And he, we thought he was getting better. And so he was released to go to work at the end of that summer in 2018. And he hit the ground running, gave two powerful messages on mental illness, was using his story to help others and headed into the third weekend. He just had a really bad day. He wasn't fully well. His mind wasn't fully healed. He had told our family and told our church he was at about 65%, not 100%. And so our family knew right away and our staff kind of knew right away, like maybe he isn't ready to be back. Maybe he needs some more time off to heal. Maybe he needs some more space to figure out what 
what's going on inside of his mind and his body. And so while we were away from him for just a little bit, taking those next steps, he attempted suicide. And it really was this awful, horrific blindside that none of us ever saw coming. And I truly believe that Andrew didn't even see it coming as well. And so he was rushed to the hospital. And unfortunately, there was nothing that the doctors could do. And so he was taken off life support and God gave us the gift of one last day with him. And we got to sit with him and pray with him and hold him and listen to his favorite worship songs and say goodbye. And on August 25th, 2018, he took his last breath. And with that, I took my first in a brand new life um, that I really, truly never saw coming. And so my day-to-day now, I call it Rebuilding Beautiful. And it's what I feel like I'm doing every single day. I feel like I had this beautiful life that I loved and that whole entire life died with Andrew. And now I'm rebuilding um, a totally different kind of life, a completely new life. And I really, truly believe that that new life can still be beautiful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And you're dealing with a topic that's, you know, at times in churches, is there's stigma around mental health. There's there's this kind of still this old feeling that, hey, Christians shouldn't be dealing with mental health issues. We we have the Holy Spirit in us, and that's a damaging mindset, by the way, I must say, but it's still very prevalent. So how have you sort of tied this together in your own mind? You have this this beautiful Christian guy who loves, who loves God, is serving God, and takes his life. Tell me how you've grappled with that in your own mind and what conclusions you've come to about how that could happen. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest um, misconception is that when somebody has enough faith or somebody loves God or somebody's spending enough time in scripture that they will never struggle with their mental health. I think there's also the misconception that um, mental illness and like depression and anxiety is something that can be prayed away. Um, And I think that those misconceptions are harmful. I think they're hurtful. I think that they're not accurate um, by a medical standpoint as well. You know, mental illness is a real physical illness. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned through this whole journey is that it's a real physical illness. Andrew had a real chemical imbalance happening in his mind. His mind was really sick. And because we're spiritual beings, of course, there's a spiritual component to it as well. And for us, the spiritual component was real. I mean, there really was, I I talk about it in the book, there's a whole chapter on spiritual warfare. Um, But for Andrew, it really was this battle that was happening not only in his mind, but it was things that he was seeing as well. And he really felt like um, this oppression. He felt like this oppression from the enemy and he felt it in our home and it was truly terrifying. There were moments where, I would come in the room and find him hiding under the covers because he was terrified. And that's really where the title for the book came from too, Fear Gone Wild. I mean, it's really what I felt like happened in Andrew's mind and in our home, this fear just spread like wildfire. And it was because he was sick. It was because his mind was sick. And I think there is a spiritual component as well. I think it was because Andrew was doing God's work and he, you know, was a pastor and pastors are sometimes under more spiritual attack. Um, I think that's biblical. And so it really was all of it um, for us. But I think the biggest thing that's been helpful for my journey um, with the suicide specifically is to see the suicide as something that happened to Andrew. Um, For me, I describe it almost like a child drowning in a swimming pool at a birthday party. Um, Andrew was absolutely surrounded by people that loved him. He was surrounded by, by a team of professionals, of doctors that let 
loved him personally. He was surrounded by a staff. He was surrounded by a family that would have dropped anything to be there for him. Like if we knew he was drowning, we would have jumped in the water and saved him. We really truly had no idea. And I really tr truly believe that Andrew had no idea either. And I believe he would have never chosen this. Ann Voskamp wrote a beautiful blog about it. And she described um, suicidal ideation as being trapped in a burning building. And the only way to escape the flames is to jump out of the window. It's a pain problem. Um, Andrew was overwhelmed with pain and I will never understand uh, what that, what those moments leading up to the suicide were like for him. But for him, the suicide felt like the only way to escape his pain. Um, and so that's really helpful for me to see it that way. And I, I choose to even change my language surrounding it as well. I don't say committed suicide. I don't say killed himself. I choose to say died by suicide. Um, and what that does is it takes the shame and blame off the person that died and it puts it where it should be. You know, it was this real physical illness. It wasn't a choice. He would have never chosen this. He would be just as surprised as the rest of us that this was the outcome of his illness. And it's a tragedy and no one is to blame. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. And uh, I'm glad that you have that peace inside of you as well, because that's a struggle for many. So when people are struggling with mental health, those around them many times wonder where is God in all of this and why God won't, won't you take this away? And those who are struggling themselves with mental health issues are crying out to God. So how have you reckoned with that whole idea of where, where was God, how was God involved with all of this? Yeah, and I would say I'm right there with them. I'm right there with you. If you're walking through a season of mental health, if you're loving somebody through a season of mental health, like it is so hard. It is so isolating. It is so lonely. And for me, God felt far away as well. It felt like this desert season of God, why aren't you fixing this? God, I'm begging you for healing. We had people over at our house, praying over every room, praying over Andrew. God, why wasn't there breakthrough? Um, and I think the main thing to remember is that it is a real physical illness. You know, none of us are exempt from a real physical illness. And sometimes um, there's supernatural healing for physical illnesses. And sometimes there's not. Um, people die every single day from physical illnesses. And so mental illness is the same. Um, but I would say keep showing up. Even if you feel like God is silent, even if you feel like God's not there, I would say keep, keep allowing yourself the space to sit with him. Um, maybe sitting with him looks different in that season. Maybe sitting with him is just sitting on the beach and staring at the water. Maybe sitting with him is sitting with some friends, you know, on a night away from the house and crying. Maybe sitting with God looks like sitting in a therapist's office, pouring your heart out. Um, I think it can look differently for everybody, but I would say don't give up on that faith. Don't give up on that hope. Don't give up on God. Um, and it might not be um, the outcome that you desire, but God's still there and God's still working. God's still moving and he hasn't abandoned you and he hasn't left you. And he's right there beside you, walking with you, whether you feel his presence or not. And none of us are exempt from those desert seasons. You know, those desert seasons come for all of us. Um, but I really, truly believe that God promises to be there with us and that he is there with us, um, whether we feel like he is or not. Kayla Steckline is my guest on Life Support. She's written a book called Fear Gone Wild and is sharing her own story. And Kayla, you're now rebuilding this new life. And I'm guessing that you're not the same person you were 
two or three years ago. Tell me what God has been doing in your life since that horrible moment when you discovered this happened. Yeah, you're spot on. I am a completely different person. Um, I've had to be. I've had to reinvent myself. You know, I went from being pastor's wife and stay-at-home mom and kind of the support person in the relationship to now um, the, the visionary for our home. You know, I describe it as going from the passenger seat to the driver's seat. You know, when I was married to Andrew, he was in the driver's seat. He was full of vision. He knew where we were headed. We had these three little boys in the back and we were good to go. And when he passed away, I went from the passenger seat to the driver's seat and I still have these three little boys in the back seat saying, hey mom, where are we going? And I'm looking out over the horizon and I'm still answering that question. Hey mom, where are we going? Um, but it's really been this journey of rediscovering my identity outside of being Andrew's wife. I got married so young. I was 20, I was 19 when I met Andrew and 21 when we got married and went right into ministry, went right into mom life. And so I think for the first time in a really long time, I get to ask that question, like, who am I? What am I good at? What do I like? What am I passionate about? What am I gifted at? What am I called to do? For so long, my world revolved around Andrew and his calling and his giftings and his passions and his vision. And there wasn't really space for me to ask myself those questions. And so it's been a really beautiful journey to ask those questions and to wrestle with that and to navigate, you know what, what do I want to do? In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm 18 years old again. I feel like I'm stepping foot on as a freshman on the college campus all over again. And I'm looking around with these big bugged eyes and like, okay, what? what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> what do I want to do with my life? And um, so I'm still learning to answer that question. And I'm, I still don't have an answer. And I'm still figuring that out. Um, one of the biggest shifts for us that's been so healing and helpful that we've done recently is we moved. You know, we were living in the same city um, that we had lived in with Andrew. And for me, I felt like I was living in a cemetery. I felt like everywhere I went, I was reminded of the life I lost and I didn't feel like I could rebuild there. I felt like I needed a fresh start. I needed to go somewhere that we didn't have a lot of memories together. And so we moved down to the ocean and it's been such a huge shift for my mental health, for my boys' mental health, just to be able to sit on the sand and look out at the vastness of the ocean and God's creation has been so healing and so beautiful and such a huge gift. Um, and that's just been since October of last year that we've been here and it's been, um, I already feel I feel genuinely happy for the first time in two and a half years. I feel genuinely happy. I feel genuinely grateful. I feel so grateful to live where we live. Um, and I really do feel hopeful that um, God has a beautiful future for, for us. That's awesome. And that, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is the faithfulness of God. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Kayla in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective, a survivor himself of family trauma, losing a wife and a son. And that's what life support is all about, survivors in discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. And for more about our work, log on to Life Support Resources. Org. And now back to Pastor Paul. 
we moved down to the ocean and it's been such a huge shift for my mental health, for my boys' mental health, just to be able to sit on the sand and look out at the vastness of the ocean and God's creation has been so healing and so beautiful and such a huge gift. Um, and that's just been since October of last year that we've been here and it's been, um, I already feel I feel genuinely happy for the first time in two and a half years. I feel genuinely happy. I feel genuinely grateful. I feel so grateful to live where we live. Um, and I really do feel hopeful that um, God has a beautiful future for, for us. That's awesome. And that, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is the faithfulness of God. So, Kayla, what would you tell ministry families um, what to watch for? How do they avoid a pitfall of not understanding what's going on around them? Because all of us who are in ministry feel that pressure, and and we feel those attacks. And I always tell people, you know, don't come to our house on Saturday, because whatever I'm going to preach on is what we're going to be struggling with. So, you know, how how would you counsel a, a ministry family to get ahead of a mental health issue? Andrew would always say, Sundays just keep coming. And they do, the Sundays just keep coming. And you kind of get caught in this whirlwind of your life revolving around Sundays. I mean, that's what it felt like in our home. And I think oftentimes for people in ministry, burnout is inevitable. Burnout, uh, I think burnout comes for every pastor. I don't think anyone's exempt from burnout, but I think there are some warning signs and some lights on the dashboard that start going off when burnout is about to happen. There was a book that Andrew loved called Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero, and I would highly recommend that to anybody in ministry, especially if you're the lead pastor in ministry. It's just so helpful to know when those lights on the dashboard are starting to flash and are starting to go off and when it's time to pull over and fill up the tank and take time for yourself and ways to prevent that from happening, um, just rhythms that you can get into as a leader of taking sabbaticals every year, of every seven years taking six, to, six months to a year off of work, of doing those things to fill up your tank so that you can keep pouring out from an authentic place. I think uh, for us, it was really difficult to find authentic community as well, but I would say that's a huge component of your mental health, that you have real friends, that you have real people that you can do life with. I think it's important to have some of those people outside of the church, people that don't go to your church, people that you're not their pastor and you can take your pastor hat off and you can just be you. Andrew um, had handpicked our small group and he had picked people that were brand new to the church that were kind of baby Christians that he thought were cool and kind of handpicked and, and made our own small group. And it was thankfully, even though they went to our church and even though Andrew was their pastor, it really did feel like this space where Andrew didn't have to lead the group. Someone else led the group. And he really felt comfortable where he could take off his pastor hat and just be him. And I'm so grateful that he did that because after he passed away, those girls in that group were some of my best friends and they surrounded me and my boys. And we had that community in place that Andrew had created and built. And it was such a gift. So I think community is huge. I think taking time off is huge. I think establishing those rhythms of rest um, is huge. And I think just remembering, um, I think we put so much pressure and we like put so much pressure on Sunday. We put so much pressure on our job, put so much pressure on the message that it doesn't have to be perfect. 
it just has to be real and it just has to be authentic. And if you get up on stage and you share what's really going on in your heart and what God's really teaching you, like it's going to resonate with people. Um, Andrew would only take one day off a week and he was at, at church all day Saturday until he got that message right. And I wish, um, you know, during his time here that he would have had a little more space to relax and kind of take that pressure off of himself and know that like God's really got this. God really is in control. Yes, get it right. Yes, work hard. Yes, you know, get the message down the way that you want it to be, but then let it go and let God show up and do his thing because he will. Um, and we don't have to put that much pressure on ourselves. Yeah, I think we at times live in fear of the what have you done for me lately attitude and we're afraid to not hit a home run. Um, you know, some pastors, I'm, I'm not in this camp. Some pastors live in fear of their boards. Um, you know, some of them have congregants crawling up, you know, down their back all of the time. So that's really good counsel because really God is your protector, not your board, not congregants. And if you don't take care of yourself, nobody benefits and everybody suffers. So that's really good counsel. Tell me about the book, Fear Gone Wild. Um, that must have been a difficult book to write, but also at the same time, it must have been somewhat healing for you as well. Yeah, it was so hard. I mean, no one, I don't think anyone signs up to write their very first book on suicide and depression and grief and loss of their best friends. Like no one's going to sign up, raise their hand to write that book. So it was very difficult to write. I cried as many tears as there are words in that book. I would just sit at my laptop and type and weep. Um, and it really, even though it was so painful and really hard to kind of rip up those, rip off those band-aids and dig into those wounds, it was so healing at the same time. So I was able to really go back and think through all the different emotions that I was experiencing in each part of our story and what Andrew and I were walking through as a couple and the good moments too. I mean, the beautiful parts of being able to be his wife. I talk about giving him a haircut, you know, helping him cut his hair on Saturday nights before Sunday and doing this two week road trip we had that summer that I'm so grateful for. So I got to sit back and reflect on some of the beautiful moments that I had with Andrew and also some of the very difficult moments that I had with Andrew. But the book just tells our story. It starts with panic attacks and I have a chapter on panic attacks and depression and isolation and spiritual warfare and suicide and grief and kind of just goes along with what our story was and what we lived out in that season. And throughout it, I tie in the story of Jesus in the wilderness and how um, I went from this wilderness season with mental illness with Andrew of where are you God to the season of grief where God felt like God was everywhere and everything all of the time. And then I also give practical handles for the reader. Um, what do you do when someone's having a panic, panic attack? What do you do when the depression diagnosis comes? How do you walk alongside somebody who's sitting in isolation? What do you do when someone tells you they're struggling with suicidal thoughts? How do you walk alongside somebody who's grieving? I really wanted the book not to just tell a sad story. I wanted it to also be uh, practical and hope-filled and helpful. Well, good for you. And in God's timing, what a what a great time to have a book like that coming out of COVID, grappling with COVID. Uh, not only are people traumatized, but pastors are struggling as well. And uh, this is this is a book that will help. It's called Fear Gone Wild. Kayla Steckline is the author. Kayla, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, you're very brave, and I know that many will be helped by just listening to your redemptive uh, words. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Psalm 100, 
verse 3 tells us this. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And God loves his sheep. Jesus is our shepherd. He knows our name. And when we're struggling, when we're feeling alone, we can take heart in the fact that our shepherd knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what's happening deep inside of us. And so maybe you can relate to many of the things that Kayla has been talking about. Just remember that you are a sheep and your shepherd is there for you always. We're so glad to have you on Life Support. We thank you for our partners, Faith Radio, MyFaithRadio.com. You can also see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And check us out here at Ridgewood Church at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for being here. We'll catch you next time on Life Support. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, Kayla, for a very moving presentation. This is Steve Johnson again, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. And we've had the privilege of creating the Life Support Series and the Life Support Resource Library. The library includes tools and resources that can help you be equipped to come alongside others who are suffering and in pain. Among the tools included are therapist webinars and blogs, sermon starters and transitions, short videos, small group material and conferences. You can find out more at this address, www.lifesupportresources.org. Again, that's lifesupportresources.org. And we would love to introduce you to this material. The Life Support Program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. for listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support